When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The folks at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take some credit for those smiling Colorado sports fans around town, especially those of our DNVR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. If you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you're going to receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group, located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD is going to improve the quality of your morning since it's rich in CBD and CBG and will have you feel feeling as good, I should say, as I've been because their CBD infused coffee can help with chronic headaches, joint pains, so much more. And for me, the exercise that I put in several days of the week, running upwards of 30 miles a week in a good week. Strava has helped with my recovery to reduce some of that soreness. So if you're looking to supplement your workouts and just want to lessen those general aches and pains, try Strava Craft Coffee. And now you can get 25% off your first purchase when you use code DNVR25 at Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Patrick Lyons. And on today's DNVR Rockies podcast, we're talking about, guess what? The Colorado Rockies. But we're doing it with one of our favorite guests, Mr. Kevin Henry of Rocks Pile. How's it going, buddy? Patrick, good, man. Good to hang with you. It's a good day. Come on. It is. Can you believe we've got uh, only two more weeks until the big holiday for for some of us? Three weeks until New Year's Day, and then it's 2022, and then we can all just get back to normal. Absolutely, because all this pandemic stuff, it'll go away. You know, calendar's going to turn. Everything's going to be back to normal. It'll be fine. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it was Nostradamus or the Mayan calendar or some kind of hex on the number 20 and 2021 that it'll, it'll be totally cleared up in 2022. No, absolutely. Deuces and, and, wild, man. Let's do it. I think so. And, and you know what? When you think about MLB, you know, everything's totally fine right now in baseball. So. There's, there's no, everything is just perfect and hunky dory right now. It, it really is. I mean, I love to go on my favorite, uh, you know, Rockies.com and look up all the players and, you know, just reminisce about how great their faces look. I mean, it's fantastic right now. Absolutely. And watching those highlights too. Oh, uh, good stuff. Well, Wait. you and I, we were at an event and I, I wanted to bring this up at some point, put it in my notes because I overprepare for things, but we were at a cool event. We should probably talk about it. It was good. You know, uh, uh, an event that goes on by by two Colorado sports staples, uh, Bill and Ed, as they're affectionately referred to, Ed Henderson, Bill Rogan. And they have an event at the end of every year for for press, uh, media, even people within the Rockies organization, you know, get together. And so we were at a place on Saturday afternoon, hung out, great stories, great folks, uh, had some really good giveaways, too that they were able to coordinate and there was a game on TV and it was on MLB network. 
And we were kind of joking like, Hey, when Robinson Cano comes up to the plate in this game, you know, it was like his rookie season. Are they going to have, you know, gray avatar over his face? It, you know, it, it was so wild looking back at some of these that MLB networks throwing on, you know, the no hitters. And of course the other night was the Clayton Kershaw against the Rockies game. And I was just like, thanks. You know, as much as I love to watch baseball, I'm not sure I'm going to tune in for that one. Just saying. They need to get the Ubaldo Jimenez 2010. Yes. On there eventually. Give me the Dexter Fowler catch just on continuous loop and I'll be good, man. I'm telling you. That's it. I mean, he's a free agent right now. So technically speaking, you can show his at bats. I'm thinking. <laughs> That's true. Good point. I, I think just about everybody in that game is may no longer be active. I have to I think long and hard. If there's anyone Wait, still going strong, actually, I have to think about that one. That have to be a good one. Well, let's start about the Rockies, and you know, you do some amazing work over there at Rocks Pile, as well as Call to the Pen, and we'll get to some of those articles. But I was really intrigued about a trade that you kind of had hypothesized out there, because again, we know in the off season, typically you have to give a little to get a little and you know what assets do the Rockies have right now that they'd be willing to trade typically you do it when you have depth or when you have players blocked at a certain position and the only real log jams I think you could possibly suggest would be in the rotation and you can never have a real log jam in the rotation if you have six or seven starters you barely have enough I mean look at the Dodgers last season so you're happy with the four horses that you got in the rotation now you still want more but the only other glut that you may have or, or a log jam of depth is in the outfield. And you kind of toss something out there and said, hey, you know what? This might be the best asset that's most attractive to another team. And you even found the perfect suitor for them as well. Well, it, it's, it was a stretch, you know, and, and hats off to our friend Nick Groke uh, for The Athletic, who came up with the article idea about the most tradable assets that the Rockies have. And he had Rymel Tapio listed as number one, which I thought was really interesting. And of course, we know, you know, Tapia's season, we know, you know, where does he fit in moving forward? And, and I think, you know, Thomas Harding's mentioned it, Groke's mentioned it, Patrick Saunders mentioned it. And I think a lot of us in the press box have talked about, you know, is Tapia a part of the plan in 2022 and beyond? And I'm not sure based on what Connor Joe did last year, based on some of the guys that are coming up through the farm system, is Tapia going to be that guy? And so my article, as you alluded to, I was talking to about with the Cleveland Guardians. And talking to the Guardians about, you know, is that an option for Tapia? You know, they need outfield, uh, you know, and Tapia with his left hand could actually fit in there into the lineup. What could they get back? That's the million-dollar question. But I also think the Rockies have to think about doing something different next year somehow. And if they really are looking for an outfield bat that's going to bring power, then I think Tapia is a guy that's probably on the outside looking in if they do bring in somebody else. That definitely seems like a match because right now the only real starters that Cleveland has right now that you could probably pencil into their lineup is Miles Straw, who was a finalist for the American League Gold Glove out in center field. And Bradley Zimmer, uh, a guy who's a prospect first-round pick that really hasn't reached the heights they were hoping. And so right now they – Currently, if you look at Fangraph's roster resource, which is a great resource for getting an idea for what rosters are looking like right now, where teams have holes. They have a player who was a fifth-round pick in 2018 who's still yet to make his major league debut, and he's their best option. So they certainly could benefit from 
uh, a veteran bat like like a Ryan Tapia, even at the top of the lineup too, as well. If you kind of want that that pop, as you as you've been alluding to, and you know, I know Cleveland they had a bit of a of a crunch with their their forty man because they had a lot of prospects kind of coming up around the same time. So the Rockies could again just take a flyer on a player because you know one of the things going on right now with the lockout is a lot of discussion about well, it's about money, but it's about getting young players and getting players before they're arbitration eligible and increasing the minimum salary because it's really become very easy for teams to say maybe you know we could spend two three million dollars a season on a guy like daniel descalso who's someone that we know from the rockies organization we've seen him kind of sign a few of those deals with arizona and the cubs or you know we can just you know bring up a, a young player like a garrett hampson from the minors and he can do essentially the same thing as a Daniel Descalso, but at you know a fraction of the price. And so with Ryan Altapia making or set to make a projected, you know, somewhere around three million dollars, three and a half million dollars, that's a lot when teams like to to pinch their pennies, if you will. I, I agree. And that's that's one of the things that whenever I was trying to build this article, I was looking at is a team willing to spend, you know, three and a half up to four million, you know, depending on your arbitration projections that you're looking at. Are they willing to spend that on a guy who's arguably coming off a really not so great year, especially with the ground ball percentage and and everything else? You know, Tapia had his moments, but there was also, you know, if you think back to when Connor Joe really burst on the scene, the energy that he brought at the top. And it was really something that, yes, Tapia was hurt at the moment, but it kind of pushed Tapia out and made him seem maybe expendable. So uh, curious to see if a team is willing to spend that much to take a flyer. And if not, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, is he a part of Colorado's plans moving forward? Yeah, that, that remains to be seen because we know that after this season in 2022, he'll actually be a free agent the year after that. So it's not like there's a big long road ahead of Ryan Tapia in, in purple. So, Hey, if, if now's the time to strike while the iron's hot, even on a down year, you might as well, because, you know, we could be sitting here and, even when the lockout ends in a few weeks time, it could be a similar David Dahl type situation where the Rockies just decide to cut bait and don't really get anything for that necessarily. So again, striking while the iron's hot, relatively speaking. And and I think it would be curious to see, is that who Bill Schmidt and this, you know, new GM regime is, you know, are they, are they the ones that are willing to turn the roster over a little bit, maybe take a chance on it, as you said, a flyer on a a prospect coming in, you know, I I don't think we have the answer to that yet. Obviously, you know, before the lockout was very uh, close to the vest, as far as the Rockies were concerned, and we'll see what happens afterwards. One of the other lingering stories, of course, is what Colorado is going to do at the shortstop position. And again, yet another fantastic article that could set about somewhat of a butterfly effect going forward as far as what Colorado could do based on what other teams are doing. But I'll tell you what, what we're doing here at the DNVR.com is we're having some amazing watch parties. We're having some amazing tailgates. Those of you that were watching the Broncos game on Sunday, you probably saw a lot of our members tweeting out on Twitter all about the tailgate. 
before the Lions game with all-you-can-eat sexy pizza, all-you-can-drink, Breckenridge Brewery just behind Sports Fan. If you want to sign up and become a member, it's only 50 cents for your first month on the dnvr.com and an annual membership gets you a free shirt from dnvrlocker.com we are fully stocked no supply chain issues but make sure you make that move now so that your gifts can come in time for the holidays we've got watch parties going on all week if you're watching this live on monday we've got a nuggets watch party at 7 p.m tuesday avs at 7 wednesday nuggets at 7 thursday avs at 6 Friday, Nuggets at 5.30, and then the weekend really starts popping off. Buffs and Rams have basketball games, but the official watch party will be Avalanche at 7 p.m. Sunday, Broncos watch party at 2.05, and then Nuggets again at 5.30 with the tailgate starting at 10 a.m. If you want to jump on the bus or the shuttle, you can do that. You know we always have the sound on at the bar for any of those watch parties. And if you are a member, you know you get a bigger beer at the DNVR bar. And there's a good chance it's gonna be Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. So Avalanche Ale, Strawberry Sky, Vanilla Porter, all on tap. But did you know we also have Breckenridge Brewery as our official seltzer? It's called Good Company Hard Seltzer. It's an easy choice for a great company. You can get it at home in a 15 can sampler at King Supers, Costco, anywhere you can find your alcohol and liqueurs. It's the tap pack aptly. We're, we're talking about Ryan Maltapia, 15 can sampler. He wears number 15. I don't know if we're going to have Tapia in uh, at Coors Field uh, on the Rockies for very much longer, but you can guarantee that King Supers is going to have the 15 can tap pack of good company hard seltzer from Breckenridge. Oh, yeah. Well yeah, I'm telling you, pull that in, man. Got to squeeze them in when, when I can. We also have a new sponsor. Uh, hopefully, they'll enjoy this ad read just as much as, as I do. Uh, but it's called Snooze Mattress. And this is actually something that I'm probably getting both sets of parents. My my parents and my in-laws at snoozesleep.com, partially because there's a big discount when you use code DNVR. But the deal is it's this. It's a four-in-one mattress. It's the world's only four-in-one mattress. You can get soft, firm cool or cozy basically flip it based on your comfort level there's a reversible and washable temperature regulated cover that you can use because let's face it your body today might not be the one you have tomorrow and with each mattress only lasting about eight years a lot can change in that amount of time so snooze mattress is taking care of that at snoozesleep.com it's made by colorado and designed for the world Again, when you visit snoozesleep.com, use code DNVR to receive $250 off a mattress and $250 off an adjustable base at snoozesleep.com. Of course, Kevin, as we said, the shortstop situation is a bit in flux, and it seems like a couple dominoes need to fall first. The f- number one on that list, of course, is Carlos Correa. You wrote about finding a home for Carlos Correa, and we'll talk about the implications of that as far as stories market go, does that mean it's the end of the Aaron Judge era in New York? But what went into finding a good location for not only Carlos Correa, but any team that's going to be interested in signing him? Well, I think you've got to look at what, how long are you going to sign Carlos Correa for? Knowing that the Corey Seager contract is out there, knowing the Francisco Lindor contract is out there, 
is Carlos Correa going to settle for something less than that? And I think obviously this is a really weird time with the lockout. How quickly are we going to get back to baseball? How much time is there going to be before the season begins? Is it going to be a rush? You know, are we going to have time to negotiate contracts? I think a lot of that's going to play into what happens with Carlos Correa. And and you're right. A a lot of things that I'm reading out of New York with the Yankees, uh, it is one of those things that they are looking at what they're going to do with an Aaron Judge extension. You know, and are they going to save money to extend Aaron Judge? And do they have enough money to extend Aaron Judge and bring in somebody like a Correa or a Trevor Story? And that's one of the big million-dollar questions right now, or $320 million questions, depending on, you know, Correa's price tag. But I think, you know, as you said, where Correa goes, then the domino falls that eventually ends up with Trevor Story. Because if there's a hole in Houston, and I think you and I have talked about this, I still think that that's the destination where Story may end up. Yeah, you said that at the beginning of this offseason that he would probably end up somewhere in the NL West. We even heard those rumblings with Seattle. I felt pretty good because I was close with saying that Story would sign before the lockout because I, I thought there could be a flurry of free agent activity and just about everyone did sign except Correa and Story. You know. When we go back and look at it, it'll probably seem so obvious how this all was going to fit. But it does seem as if Correa does go back to Houston. A, you know, the route for Trevor Story to get to the Yankees maybe becomes a little bit easier. Now, not for a long term, because as you said, there are implications with giving $300 million to Correa. That means you might not even have $150 million to give to Aaron Judge. But if Correa does go to Houston, a, a very front-loaded deal for Trevor Story, almost similar to like what you saw Marcus Stroman get, three years, over $70 million. So it was a lot annually, but not a lot overall. And so maybe the Yankees say, we'll give you, Trevor, you know, a two-, three-year deal for close to $80, $90 million because, you know, we've got a big prospect in Anthony Volpe coming up through the works and that could be kind of the machinations that gets those two in those big markets. Yeah. And and I'm glad you mentioned Volpe's name because I think that he's a key player in this as well. How long is it going to take this hot prospect to develop so the Yankees can plug him in at shortstop? And if you're Trevor Story or if you're Carlos Correa, are you willing to sign a five-year, a three-year deal knowing that you're going to have to go through all of this again, you know, really prime just past the prime of your career however you want to look at it so i i think it's really curious to see how the yankees are going to play this you know and we talk about correa really being that that domino but i think the yankees are just as much a domino in this whole infield and where they go process and and i will be honest you know you you and i talked about were they going to sign before the break or not and with seager and Simeon both going to the rangers i really did think that the dam was going to break at that point but you still got story and uh, uh Correa out there trying to figure out where they're going to be i should have asked i should have had you on the podcast and asked for a draw like is it truce no there's no winners no losers let's both Great. cut our losses just in case that would have been my best scenario to possibly win that one you know the cba too what what comes down the pike in that could possibly impact what trevor story takes where you know, it, if it looks like there's going to be more shortstops on the market because players are getting to free agency earlier, then he might just need to take the most money now 
worry about that later, or, you know, or maybe just try to take the most money, even if the average annual value is less where, all right, I'm going to have to play two more years for only 10 or $15 million more, but I might not get that extra 10 to 15 million when I'm 33, 34, whatever it may be. I think the Astros and the Yankees, if that's where Correa and story end up, that potentially could be the worst case scenario for the Rockies and not in any kind of catastrophic way, but just that I've been supposing I've heard of a couple other people start to get used to the idea that, you know, the Rockies can take advantage of another team who maybe wants to shift a contract off their roster. Like if story does meet up with Arenado in St. Louis, well, Paul DeYoung's contract becomes a little unnecessary for the Cardinals and the Rockies can take advantage of that. But Astros, Yankees right now, they don't have a shortstop that they'd be interested in, in offloading, you know, from their roster to save a little bit of money. So that really wouldn't benefit the Rockies at that point. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's going to come down to, you know, I know Freddie Galvis was talked about a little bit. He's gone off to Japan to play, you know, so I, I think the outside options for the Rockies are getting more and more limited, uh, even during the lockout. Uh, as strange as that is. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if you see those internal options that we've talked about for so long, maybe coming up and that stopgap, that bridge, whatever you want to say to a future season. And maybe, you know, maybe it is a, a Rogers eventually going over there and they figure out a way at second base. You know, there's, there's so many different ways that you could play this, but I do think that the options for the Rockies externally are going to be limited a lot, as you said, if the Astros Yankees things falls, it looks like it's going to. And I, and I think those options, they don't back Colorado into a corner. As you said, they're limited, but they don't, they're not going to be forced to do anything. I think, I don't want to say a worst case scenario, but there is a scenario in which, you know what, they run Alan Trejo out to shortstop where he provides above average defense at shortstop. But the team ends up going out and grabbing one, hopefully two big bats in the outfield or elsewhere. And you go, actually, overall, that works out. You don't you don't have to replace Trevor Story's production at the plate. You, you have to put somebody at shortstop. Agreed. And you know what? If you have to do Alan Trejo, it really depends on the context of what's happening elsewhere on the roster. And I think there are a lot of holes that the Rockies have to fill and a lot of questions that they have to answer. Those aren't all going to happen this offseason. It's just not a viable thing. So I think you're right. If Trejo can fit in a shortstop, and we've seen, you know, we've heard talk about how great his defense is. We've heard all this stuff, you know, and if they can bring some some pop in in the outfield, which goes back to our earlier talk about Tapia and where he fits in, then I think that will at least be a step toward addressing the issues that they have to. I know you know your Rockies history incredibly well inside and out but i couldn't help but think in reading your piece about perfect games and and no hitters being thrown against teams that it does seem a bit strange that the rockies have never had a perfect game thrown against them now at coors field we know that's somewhat of a hitter's haven and not even just for home runs the outfield is the largest in the national league so baseballs are going to get dunked in there all the time it makes it so amazing that Hideo Nomo was even able to do that in the first place. But when you go on the road and those more uh, pitcher-friendly ballparks in the NL West, not to mention everything that happens with the Coors effect of players going down to sea level and the pitches 
looking like the pitches themselves are on steroids. It is pretty amazing to think that the Rockies, they've never been on the, on the losing end of a perfect game like that. They haven't. And, and I mean, you're exactly right. Whenever you think about how close Ramon Marquez got last year at Coors Field to the no hitter, and it was that little bloop, you know, and, and those are the things that in that outfield, you know, everybody talks about, Oh, at altitude, you can hit the ball a mile. And you're exactly right. It's not that. It is about the outfield and all the places that a ball can fall in that makes it so tough and makes what Hideo Nomo did uh, pretty impressive. Perfect games. First one in the modern era was Cy Young in 1904. But I I was surprised because you don't think about the team that's on the losing end of the perfect game. You remember most of the players' names. Some of them are quite obscure, but you don't think about the team that was on the losing end. And the Tampa Bay Rays, three, is that right? Three times. They're the most, yeah, the most uh, in MLB history. The Rays have had a perfect game thrown against them three times. Uh, so, you know, whenever I was looking back through some of the stats, I was just like, that's pretty incredible, actually. And if I remember right, it was over a four-year span that it happened. So, I mean, you know, it was, it was kind of very uh, compact, shall we say, for sure. I'm thinking their uh, research and development department was really just you know, working on how do we not have a perfect game thrown against us? <laughs> Lo and behold, they found the secret to, you know, putting together a roster on about $18 million and going to the World Series nearly every year. Somehow the raves have survived. It's amazing. You know, but when I was going back and I was remembering, and now I can't think of the White Sox outfielder's name. You'll probably remember it. Dwayne Wise? Yes, thank you. Who made the incredible catch off Gabe Kapler. That was the one I was just like, Gabe Kapler made that hit. So that, In the Philip Humber game, right? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's... So I was like, look at that. So there you go. I was Former like, I, Rockies legend. I did not expect to see a Gabe Kapler highlight today, and here we are. So there you go. Wow. Again, another one of those great footnotes that sometimes in an offseason like this, you, you oh, drool over that. Oh, you, how excited were you when you go, wait a minute, who hit that? Seriously. It, it, was, it was like a, a crust of bread after starving. You know, I was like, oh. Finally, something baseball related. So, it was and I'm play. sure you were like, "Wait, who was on deck? Please tell me it was Aaron Boone." Ah, oh, you know, you're you're looking for those connective tissues. Well, and you know, and, and like you said, I could go to YouTube, thank goodness, and watch old highlights. You know, so at least we've got that. If you're listening to the podcast on Tuesday morning or later, hey, go on YouTube, watch those highlights, and watch us now. We're we're live on the DNVR Sports Channel. Uh, we're coming live a couple times a week, not as frequently as Nugs and Avs Broncos, right? Because they're in the middle of their season. They've got a lot going on. And we love bringing you all that content. We love telling you about companies that are doing some big things like, believe it or not, trying to save the world. That's what Ball is trying to do at their manufacturing plant in Golden. And they're looking for production technicians. They're actually hiring right now. And you can read the full description and apply at jobs.ball.com by searching for Golden. Now, the position that they're hiring for right now is on the front line of the aluminum beverage can production process at Ball's plant in Golden. They're offering $27 an hour. That includes potential increases at 6, 12, and 18 months on the job. It offers exposure to a lot of other manufacturing opportunities in the plants, promotions, things of that nature. You get comprehensive insurance active the day of hire. So you don't have to worry about that problem anymore. There's 401k for your retirement, stock purchase, ownership program, so many ways that they're going to try to take care of you and make your life that much better going forward. So text GOLDEN to 77222 to get linked to open positions. You can also go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. That's jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. Then you could take that hard-earned paycheck 
buy yourself a home with the expertise and support of Chevalier Mortgage. Chevalier Mortgage's ultimate goal is to take the stress out of buying and refinancing. And we are approaching that time of year. Spring is around the corner. I know it's not winter yet, but winter's when those that process starts going. And man, the real estate market right now is buzzing. What Chevalier Mortgage is trying to do right now is to give their borrowers options with their full financial picture in mind with the highest level of integrity by putting you, their borrower, first. Now, something to keep in mind, if you're currently a homeowner, prices are going up, as we know, and that's creating natural equity in your home. So if you've got mortgage insurance, chances are they can actually refinance out of that to make the bubble work for you. Right now, they've got a fun perk at Chevalier Mortgage for DNVR listeners. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice. Now, most importantly, get set up with free consultation to discuss all of your options. Free. You got to know what's out there for you. That's dnvrmortgage.com. Call Virginia directly at 303-257-6578 or visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has an offer every football fan should jump on. New customers can bet just $1 on either NFL team to score, and when they do, you're going to win $100 in free bets. It's that easy and rewarding. DraftKings customers can also get skin in the game with new same game parlays. So you combine multiple bets in the same game for an even bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your money whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR and new customers can bet just $1 on either NFL team to score. And if they do, you win $100 in free bets. That's promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL must be 21 or older. Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Now the NL West right now, well, they have about as much going on as any division in the middle of this lineup. But there was a rumor that came out about a potential Eric Hosmer trade and really what that's about is this question. What's next for the Padres? You wrote about it, trying to figure out, you know, what what are they doing right now? They almost seem to be in limbo. And, and I don't even know if they're in limbo. It almost seems like they're taking little baby steps backwards. Yeah, and, and I think everybody's trying to figure out where the Padres are going to go. You know, with A.J. Preller, obviously, he's not afraid to make moves. We know they brought in Bob Melvin uh, in the offseason, which I think is one of the smartest moves that they could make. Uh, but what is Bob Melvin going to have to work with? Uh, you know, and and one of the things that that has come out is you're right. Uh, you know, the Cubs uh, and, and Padres were talking about Hosmer. I would not be surprised at all if they move some of those contracts off. But the question is, what are they going to bring in? What is going to be this face of the franchise? Obviously, they've got Tatis, they've got Machado. They still got to figure out what's going on with their pitching as well, which I think is a big question for them, especially after losing Mark Melanson. So where do the Padres go? Uh, I'm glad they've got Bob Melvin. Uh, If you're a Padres fan, you're very glad about that. But there's a lot of question marks right now too. And there are with the Dodgers. I mean, there are with a lot of teams in the NL West. And I think that rush that's going to happen right after the lockout ends is going to be fascinating. I know that the Padres were close. They were up against the 
luxury tax or the soft salary cap, collective bargaining tax, as it were, but it seems like they were under it. It could be teams like them, obviously the Dodgers, were just kind of waiting to see what was going to shake out with the new CBA as far as that soft cap or if it was going to change altogether. So they maybe had to have, you know, kind of dance around that, get themselves in a holding pattern. But so far, you know, they've already offloaded Adam Frazier to Seattle and they paid, you know, a pretty penny just to get him from the pirates in the first place. So that's kind of a lost endeavor there. As you said, Eric Cosmer possibly going to the Cubs. I could see that working. He's not even making that much money. That was a very front loaded deal. He's going to be, I think this is his final year making about $22 million. And then every year after that, something like $14 million, but still that's, that's a pretty penny right now. You know, they don't have like a fourth outfielder. Currently they've, they've got a minor league signing who's yet to even make his debut in that spot starting rotations got some question marks they might need a fifth starter uh that's supposing everyone's even healthy as you said mark melanson going to arizona that's a strange one going from the padres to the d-backs and and not going to the not going to the rockies because that i think was he was probably at the top of all of our lists if the rockies were going to make a move for the pen right seemed like such a natural fit all the way around i mean it did but uh but no arizona out of nowhere that was a very strange one you're right and it's interesting because right now, penciled in for the closer spot for the Padres, another Colorado product in Pierce Johnson. And we know Eric Hosmer, of course, you know, he's, he's seen better days and, you know, he's more, much more glove first than, yeah. than a bat at all. And yet if they lose him out of the middle of their lineup, they've got even more questions, right? Yeah, you, you've got Tatis, yeah, you've got Tatis batting second, Jake Cronenworth, who came out of nowhere, but hey, he's great. You hit him third, Machado batting cleanup. And then after that, you've got nothing but question marks. Yeah. I mean, and the, you know, Rockies fans will be real glad they're trying to figure out what to do with Will Myers, obviously as well. You know, I don't think anybody would be real sad to see him in a different uniform, but I, yeah, there's so many ways that this Padres roster could go. And, and you think about last year when we thought, Oh my gosh, this is the team that's going to challenge the Dodgers. You know, none of us, I don't think saw the giants being that team. Uh, but Padres, great offseason, but it didn't translate into during the season success. And this offseason is completely different. We're all going, what are they doing? What's going on? And, you know, I, I don't know if that's going to ignite them and they're going to catch fire during the season. Uh, but, again, I, I think having a guy like Bob Melvin is a very underrated move. And I think that for him to leave the A's says a lot about the state of the franchise in Oakland as well as it does uh, possibly what he could find in San Diego to work with. Yeah. It sounds crazy to think that we're at this point late in the year and it's a lockout. So maybe, you know, you take it with a grain of salt, but the Mets and A's don't have a manager right now. No, no it's weird. isn't it, it really it's, is. And and they're interviewing some of the same people too. Which yeah. Is interesting to watch unfold as well. Yeah. I, and, and so, all right, here you go. I'll put you on the hot seat. If you're a candidate for both of those teams, who are you going with? Are you are you going with the the Mets, who, you know, they're a bit of disarray. You know, they they brought in a bunch of really good talented players, but we know what the expectations are like in that market. You have an idea that the owner can be a bit of a wild card, to say the least, and that's a job where if you don't win, you're going to be out pretty quickly. We saw that with Luis Rojas rather you know unfairly, but you've got a pretty good chance to win Well, you go to Oakland, a place where they keep their people around for a long, long time. And so 
you know, you're, you're going to be living in Oakland, going to work every day yeah. in a stadium that smells <laughs> until you're going to work somewhere else in another city, which I know that's what you're about to yeah. say. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're also going to go to work and not know if you've got Chris Bassett or Matt Olson, you know. You know, so I'll be honest, if I, and, and I want your opinion too. If that's me, I'd rather take the pressure in New York because at least I know what I have to work with. I think the guy who takes the job in Oakland is going to see a lot of his valuable pieces leave and trades once the offseason uh, kicks back in what about you i honestly i probably would take the job in oakland okay and and you know again maybe it's a mindset thing maybe it is where where you're at in, in your career so for me if i'm answering for myself with my you know one year of literally coaching experience <laughs> uh I, I won't count you know when i when i helped coach my dad's team when i was 11 years old you know i was in a different league yeah i, I won't count that but since i have no experience Oakland would be a much more comfortable situation for me to learn the trade or to try some different things too sure. out of the spotlight. And then, you know, Hey, maybe you still can win a championship with the Las Vegas athletics, whatever it may be, the Portland athletics, the San Jose athletics insert, you know, city athletics, and then it becomes even sweeter. And you know what, if that doesn't happen, you at least have a pretty nice resume. You made a couple bucks too. That's and true. you can go forward. So, so maybe this is my way of saying I have a lot of self doubt, and <laughs> I don't know how great of a manager I would be. So I take the easier situation for myself. In and, and I'm also going to throw out that AL West with Texas doing what they've done, uh, with Seattle making moves, uh, with Houston still being strong. I think that's going to be a really tough division next year. And if Oakland sheds some payroll, man, that's that's going to be a really long season. You know, the the 6,000 fans who would come to an A's game anyway, maybe even less next year, sadly. Yeah, that you know, and that is one element of it. If you're a manager in New York, you don't need to know the first name of everyone in the building. Whereas in Oakland, you, you yeah, you got to go around. Hey, how's Marley? How's your wife doing? Yeah, that's great. How are the kids? Yeah. You, that's what made Bob Melvin a very good manager in, in Oakland. And you'll be able to hear exactly. It's like during the the pandemic when you could hear exactly what was being said to all the players. You could probably do that at uh, uh, Oco uh, Coliseum or whatever they're calling it right now. So yes, I, I did. Am I remembering correctly? Did, did John Boy do a video where he was uh, reading mouths of of some of the coaches in in Oakland's dugout? Someone picked up the phone and said, "Hey, can we get the beer vendor down? He he hasn't <laughs> been here in about three or four innings." I think that might be where the priorities are in Oakland. All right. Well, if we're talking Bay Area. And we're talking baseball. Yeah. We got to touch on the Hall of Fame. Yes. Now, final year right now of Bonds, Clemens, Schilling, and Sosa. It's crazy that those four charge guys, and Schilling's not even a PED guy, but he's a controversial figure nonetheless. So. And so you've got those four guys in the 10th year of the ballot. And, you know, one of the interesting stories, it's, it's amazing how the people who write the stories can become the story themselves. But Bob Nightingale, he actually voted for a couple of the, the PED players, but he didn't vote for Alex Rodriguez, who's in his first year on the ballot. Yeah, I think if you're going to vote for those guys, it's, you've got to be all in or all out. I don't think you can pick and choose guys. Uh, and, and I think that that's where a lot of writers right now are really getting into trouble. And I also am a big believer that if you're going to penalize Todd Helton for playing at altitude, but you're not going to penalize a guy for PEDs, that there's something that just doesn't work there either. 
So, so I'm, a, I'm an all or nothing guy, uh, you know, and I think that Schilling has, you know, he's come out and said, you know, I don't want to be on the ballot. I don't want any part of this, you know, so I'm almost taking him out of the equation, but I'm a guy that I would put those other guys in the hall of fame. I hate to tell you, I I'm a bonds hall of fame guy. I'm a Roger Clemens hall of fame guy. And I, I know the PEDs, I know everything else, but I also know some of those numbers before all of that, uh, you know, are still pretty darn impressive. Sosa would be the one guy where you say, well, let's look at his numbers before the alleged PED, because Sosa actually, uh, as far as I know, has not had the same implications as a lot of the other guys. Nevertheless, you go, uh, we can start to see where his numbers really took off. Uh, That being said, I'm all for those guys getting in the Hall of Fame. If, If they don't go in you know, through the writer's ballot, that's fine because, you know, they could get in as soon as next year on the today's game committee. You know, that's, that's players who have appeared from 1987 to present or 1988, I think to present day. So, you know, they could be back on a ballot, you know, next year and you, you could see them in summer 2023, but it, it tells the story of baseball for, for better or worse. And you don't want to, incentivize certain outside of the box behavior, but major league baseball incentivized it. Major league baseball was okay with it. Unfortunately, if you're going to tell the story of the hall of fame and and you're going to tell, uh, talk about the eras, then you, you have to let those guys in because for every one player that maybe used performance enhancing drugs and, you know, cheated the game and, and cheated his, his teammates and cheated the industry. You have a couple millions of fans that watch that player and recognizes that player for better or worse as being one of the best of their generation. And to not have that represented in there really like wipes out an entire generation of fans. We already know that baseball fans are getting older and older. So those, you know, folks that are, you know, from 30 years old to 50 years old, you know, I'm not going to say that bonds not getting in the hall of fame is going to turn people away from baseball, but I think it could keep people around in that age bracket of, of the generation X, if you will, or the Xennials and keep them around and, and make them feel a little bit better about, Hey, you know what, what I saw still was important to me. You know, it may be less important in the grand scheme of baseball history because these guys cheated the game, but you know what? It's important to me. And, and, and for that reason, those guys should get in. You know, my daughter was six months old, I think whenever the whole Maguire Sosa home run summer happened. And, and I remember holding her up as Maguire hit the home run that, that set the record. And, but it was important to me at that time to, for me to tell her when he says, you watch that live. And you know what? I, I don't regret that. And, and looking back over all the stories and everything else, those moments in baseball were so magical. If you look back at them and you know, the whole Nike uh, chicks dig the long ball uh, ad, you know, I, I think that we as a society, we enjoyed watching that. And it brought a lot of us back to baseball after the strike, after everything that was going on, we could actually be romantic about the game again. And yes, I know there were some things going on, but at the time you just wanted to watch these feats happen. And, and you did. And so I don't think that looking back at them now, they should be any more tainted than they were back then, even though we know a little bit more of the history. To almost take a devil's advocate in a sense, as you tell that story, you, you'd think some folks would stand up and go, you know what? I feel like a fool. 
I shared this with my family. You know, I spent money on this. Like, man, these players, you know, they, they fooled me. And, and I, and I feel like I, like I've been duped. And obviously there's a degree that you wish, uh, I wish they hadn't done that because it's tainted, but we don't feel like fools. I know, I know I don't. And so who, who are the fools and who were they fooling? You know, they, they fooled the game. They fooled the history of the game. I don't think they fooled ownership because the owners knew what was going on. They, you know, they, they were working in concert together in a sense. And, and maybe they collectively were trying to fool fans, but the individual player, I don't think was out there to try to, to fool us and to, to take our hard earned money in that capacity. They were just trying to be a little bit better than the competition and whatever happens ends up happening. I, they obviously didn't realize, Hey, I could probably hit 73 home runs. And well, it, yeah. And, and did McDonald's feel foolish for paying big Mac and doing the whole big Mac thing, you know, at, at Bush stadium and everything else, probably not, you know, they, they felt like they'll get their money out of it. Just like we as fans did. You know, and, and I believe that the networks that switched over every time that those guys came up to bat and all this stuff, you know, a- absolutely. Maybe now we go, okay, you know, it maybe wasn't the cleanest pursuit, but at the time it was still an amazing pursuit to watch and to be a part of. And typically when you have a scandal, it is, you can totally wash away this, this person, like you think about Lance Armstrong and, you know, his, his wins at the Tour de France and, and so many things have, you know, washed away from him because that was somewhat of an isolated scandal. It was over years, but it was one person. And we actually know in cycling, a lot of people do it, but what made it a scandal was that he was so successful at it and, and, and all these other things. Right. But this wasn't necessarily just a scandal of, can you believe what Mark McGuire did? in the second half of 1998 to break this record and et cetera, et cetera. It, it had to do with, yeah, the entire 98 season, but it had to do with multiple players. It had to do with an entire generation. And so, yes, it, it was a scandal, but it's, it's harder to put your finger on, right? It's, that's what made it so easy. I think with the Astro sign stealing scandal was that you could point a finger directly at a couple of people or an organization to almost make yourself feel better. When again, even in that instance, it was something that was much wider reaching and there was a lot of people and sure, one person or, or multiple people may be the guilty parties, but there's a lot of people that have guilt in something like that. And it just makes it that harder to dole it out and kind of wrap your head around it. And and until someone can wrap their head around it better than you or I, you we're, we tend to lean towards, you know what, that was an important part in our lives. That was an important part of our baseball fandom. And to not include that in the Hall of Fame, go ahead and include it on the plaque if you need to. That's fine too. But to not include that in the Hall of Fame, I think really does a bit of disservice to fans everywhere. I, I think so as well. And, and you know, I think if you look at uh, the CTE that happens in the NFL. You know, you look at the steroid use that's happened in baseball. You look at all of the stories of, of you know, the, the golden age, as we say, of the NBA and all the things that were going on behind the scenes there. No sport is perfect. And, and I think that we've got to realize that as fans, and we have to realize that as journalists as well, is that there's so much that we never see behind the scenes that goes into a player's journey, a player's performance, whatever it might be. And I think you're right. If you need to put it on an asterisk on the, the plaque, if you need to include that on there to feel better, fine, so be it. But don't exclude those moments that were so meaningful to so many of us just because at that time and in that place, it didn't fit the 
the status quo, shall we say. We always know over generations how culture changes, things that were acceptable in the 70s and 80s. You look back and say, you could never do anything like that today. And there are other things you go, wow, they did that back then? That's That seems so harsh. And it'll be really sad if you know, it takes 20, 30 years for some of these guys of this era to get in. And again, the conversation changes a little bit and you go, they were kept out for what exactly? Like they, they were obeying by the rules. Yes. Uh, they were doing illegal things, but yet under baseball's rules, they were not improprietary. So you go, well, wait a minute, baseball. Why, why was there this, why did you create a gray area essentially? I, I think that's a great point. And I, I think that's one that's so often overlooked is that the, this gray area, as you say, it was it was a creation. And it was also one that, let's be honest, this wasn't a big secret inside of baseball when the McGuire-Sosa chase was going on and everybody was watching. It could have been put to a stop at any moment, but it wasn't. And, and I think that's one thing that we've got to remember as well is that whenever the people inside the game we're okay with it. Who are we to stand up in the ivory tower and say, Oh no, wrong boo. And why wasn't it stopped? And, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll answer my own question because I think it ties in a little bit with what's happening right now in baseball. You go, well, it wasn't stopped because people were making a lot of money and people and businesses and millionaires. And well, really we're talking about the billionaire owners. They, they're always going to want to make more money, but why in particular? Well, because they were coming off of a work stoppage. The right. game had lost an entire World Series in 1994. They only missed out on about 18 games in 1995. But the from a PR standpoint, MLB had taken a major hit. And so, you know, unintentionally, these players provided somewhat of a service to the game of baseball to keep it alive. And yeah, maybe that's a real colorful way uh, of, of looking at it and trying to paint it and make them look like heroes. No, but baseball, I'm sure, very much looked at these players as, hey, you know what? We can kind of use this to our advantage, you know, to keep the people coming out to the ballpark. You know, it's amazing that right now during this work stoppage, there, you know, we, we joked earlier about there's no images, there's no videos of current players, yet we know there's current players that are doing good things out there right now. But when the lockout ends, MLB will go right back to highlighting all the great things that their players are doing, that they're doing right now that they're ignoring. So, I mean, it's one of those things that I go, it's, it's a double-edged sword, guys. And there will need to be something done once this lockout ends, especially if it costs any spring training or costs any games in the regular season. Something's going to have to be done in order for uh, MLB to make it up to the fans or to lure fans back in. So I'll be very curious to see what that is if we get to that point. Yeah, I I don't have a crystal ball to see into the future, but you're exactly right. That's what I've been thinking is if somehow something catastrophically bad happens, I, I think we'll have a World Series. I mean, shoot, we, we had a 60-game season where we had a World Series. So, hey, if baseball's not back until July, we'll still have a quote-unquote championship season. So that's not a worry, but you're right. How is baseball going to revive itself? How are they going to come back from something as bad as this should the work stoppage continue to go on really long? And the only thing that comes to my mind right now is maybe making their players more accessible, which could lead to more scandals down the line, right? We think about you and I, we're we're big wrestling fans, and we know something that happened in WWE uh, in the last year or two, right now they're they're just getting rid of all their talent, which which is a bad look. 
But a couple years ago, they basically said, look, we want to make all of your money to come directly to us rather than, you know, we'll pay you a paycheck to show up at the shows. But then when you go home and you want to stream on Twitch and play video games and you make money from that, well, we don't get, we don't get any of that money. We don't like that. And you might go on Cameo and, and there's a couple other sites similar to that where people are going and for 50 bucks, they say, Hey, Kevin, uh, thanks for coming out to my UFC match. It's been fantastic. Hope to see you at an AEW show coming up. You know, he's got his hands taped. Happy birthday. Have a good one. And you're like, boom, that guy just made 50 bucks for a minute and a half, you know, little video that he made with MLB taking away these likenesses. I think they're starting to realize the value of that. And maybe that somehow ties into that. Where does that lead into the future? Certainly doesn't seem like it would be any kind of PED scandal, but it can be a slippery slope. And I, I, let's just hope that we don't have to deal with anything yeah. as crazy as that. Yeah. Here's hoping that, you know, by the first of February, that all this is either being buttoned up or has already been, and we're going to spring training just like always. Cause after how crazy the 2020 spring training was, and all the hoops we had to go through last year to have spring training and to be a part of it and everything else, it would be really nice to have a normal spring training again in 2022. And I'm holding out hope that that actually happens. It really would be. Well, finally, before we get going, do you want to mention a couple other guys late on the ballot uh, before you know they lose their 10 years of eligibility? Jeff Kent. Uh, he's in his ninth year. Gary Sheffield's in his eighth. Billy Wagner's in his seventh. Manny Ramirez is in his sixth. And I was actually surprised. I hadn't been keeping tabs on Manny Ramirez, but I was a little surprised he was even still on the ballot because he seems to be one of those steroid guys and one of those personalities you could see getting less than 5% and falling off. But, but he's still there. How he's still on and Kenny Lofton fell off so quickly is probably one of the, the weirdest things that will, I, I don't know that anybody can ever explain, to be honest with you. No, so true. Sense. So true. And, and finally in 2023, and I don't want to talk about too many of the young guys. We'll, we'll do that on another podcast. I know, Hey, these could be guys even that you vote on someday for the hall of fame when, when you accrue your 10 years. But I do uh, want to mention on next year's ballot, you've got Carlos Beltran, John Lackey, Matt Kane. Jason Worth, and two notable Rockies players, Ubaldo Jimenez, and Houston Street, who is only 38 years old right now. Houston That's Street. Crazy. I'm telling That's you, he could, he could probably get back out there if he wanted to. I mean, let's be perfect. I mean, if Ubaldo tried to get back out there last spring training, come on. I feel like you might. I feel like we might be. We might have to use this clip right now if Houston Street signs a minor league deal, you know, <laughs> this off season to come to camp. Like this is going to be the moment that we're going to have to look back on. And and I and I do got to know last one, and I am going to put you on the spot because you may okay. be voting for these guys in the Hall of Fame in a few years. Got to know your take on two other Rockies legends that go on the ballot next year for the first time: Chad Qualls and Jason Grilly. Oh boy. Well, Qualls, I obviously I think he's already earned his Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, he's had his moment that will, you know, if they could put a gif on a plaque, I think that would just be fantastic all the way around right there. So <laughs> I you know, I, I don't want to tip my hand too much. I've got to do some more research uh, before I, I see if Qualls is gonna get my vote in a few years, but uh, you know. Uh, it's very possible. Uh, with you know, if, if Chad Qualls could be the second Rockies player to ever go, he'll beat uh, Helton in somehow. It'll be amazing. 
You heard it here first, man. No, no one does it better than, than Kevin Henry from Roxpile. Anything, any good, anything good you want to uh, finally plug here? You've got a million articles out there on Roxpile and Call to the yeah. Pen. You're covering all of baseball as well. Well, I got to plug our mutual friend, Noah Yingling, who, uh, who does so much for the site. He has been a writing madman. Uh, you know, we make sure we got something new every day on the site. So I always appreciate him. And yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, it's it's great to pick your brain a little bit. Uh, you and I go back and forth on some fun ideas, what might be out there, what might not. So uh, now let's just keep doing it, man. It's great fun. Yeah, and at the bottom of this episode, you'll be able to find links for uh, a lot of Kevin's work on on the Rockies uh, and, and a few other things going back there. So that's fantastic. Folks can follow you and Noah on Twitter at RocksPileFS. That's it, man. That's where we'll be. We are at DNVR underscore Rockies. I'm at Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. If you've already found us now, you might as well like, share, subscribe, do that whole thing. Leave a review. If you're a member, go to thednvr.com, now 50 cents for your first month, and ask a question. Leave a review and a comment for a podcast or for an article, whatever it is. You also know members get a discord channel where you can talk directly to me all the great personalities we have covering the nuggets avs rams broncos you name it and you don't have to deal with politics and any of those things so check that out over at the dnvr.com so for kevin henry i'm patrick lyons and dnvr sports thanks for tuning into the dnvr rockies podcast the folks at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take some credit for those smiling Colorado sports fans around town, especially those of our DNVR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. If you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you're going to receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver.